Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. This is Michael Signorelli coming from my backyard. Listen, it probably sounds like I'm in the Garden of Eden right now. Listen to those birds. You've got the rain pitter-pattering against the rooftop, and you've got these birds chirping, and I cannot make this up. I'm getting ready to move to New York City within the next year to plant this church, but I cannot tell you how awesome it is being surrounded by these noises. You know, it's funny because like last year, I actually lived in an apartment down by the river, and this thing, man, I'm telling you, the the train literally ran through our backyard. And when I would tell people how much I paid for rent, they're like, why is it so cheap? And I'm like, you'll see, as I'm yelling over the train, (laughs) you'll see why it's so cheap. Um, So it's awesome. I don't know if this is God's way of saying, hey, your life is already so hard, so let me give you this uh, really awesome spot. But don't mind the birds. It's not a backtrack. It's the real thing. We're going to be tackling a question today. Now listen, before I even jump into that, let me just say this. So many of the questions that people pose to me are not real questions. And what do I mean by that? There's a deeper heart condition that they refuse to acknowledge. There's a deeper issue that's... And that's why I think Jesus oftentimes responded to a question with a question because he could read hearts a lot better than I can. But here's the question that we're going to look at. Why does God allow evil? Now, let me just say this. Rick Warren did a blog about this after 9-11 and got absolutely blasted in the Facebook comments. Even though I thought it was a decently written article, blog or whatever, I think here's, here's the root of the issue. This is a very difficult question to answer, and it's a very difficult question to satisfy people with your answer. And really, here's the thing, when people, this is what I want to do, when people ask the question, why does God allow evil, let me tell you, here's some of the roots that they're actually asking, why did evil happen to me? You know, a lot of people some, like, will draw back and they'll say, well, let's talk about like evil in the world. And they'll use this statement like, like the evil in the world. The reality is when you ask this question and even use it as a basis for your atheism, your doubt, unbelief, why does God allow evil? What you're actually asking, I think, most of the time is why did evil happen to me? How could you be such a good, loving God, a sovereign God, and yet I went through all this crap in my life? So we're going to jump into it, but again, here's the thing, and I should probably throw this out there. At one point, I actually ran a music video called The Branch. And what happened at the branch every Friday night was like evangelistic worship, which sounds kind of weird, but we would do worship sets, open up the door, and just allow anyone from the streets to come on in. And then I would open up a dialogue about very difficult questions. And I want to say this, millennials, this generation, they do not want a monologue. Now, you might be listening to a monologue right now because you love the soothing sound of my voice, but... The fact is, you want to have a conversation. Millennials, um, Generation Xers, it's just things have changed now. Because we're in the information age, people will Google it for themselves, assume that what they've read on Google is truth. They want to talk it out. So I created a platform at the branch where we would just talk things out and open for them, and I threw down guidelines for it. And 
you know, it was such an amazing time in people's lives because they were actually able to have a discourse. So here's what I want to say. If you're listening by way of SoundCloud, go ahead and start the conversation. You can drop a comment at any point on this uh, wave file so that you can see where you had a question or, or whatever. So this is a dialogue, not a monologue. It doesn't mean I'm going to actually be able to dialogue with every single one of you, but I'm going to try, especially those who have a sincere response. Um, if you're listening by way of iTunes, go ahead and post this link up, tag me in it, and uh, let's start a dialogue. But why does God allow evil? So let me just jump, kind of just jump into this, and we'll go from there. It says the Bible describes God as holy, which is Isaiah six three, righteous, Psalm seven eleven, and just and just. <laughs> I said just, just. It's just Deuteronomy 32.4 and Sovereign, Daniel 4.17. These attributes tell us the following about God. One, God is capable of preventing evil. Two, God desires to rid the universe of evil. So, if both of these are true, why would God ever allow evil? If God has the power to prevent evil and desires to prevent, prevent it altogether, then why does he allow it? So let me, let's look at like the practical elements of this question and consider some alternatives. So if, if God did it the way that people wish that it was done, okay? So maybe God could change everyone's personality, this is number one, so that they cannot sin. So maybe that's like a way that we can rid the world of evil. If we were God, if we were in control, we could rid everyone's personalities of the ability to even commit sin. They would also, that would also mean that they would not have a free will. We would not be able to choose right or wrong because we would be programmed to only do right. Had God chosen to do this, there would be no meaningful relationships between Him and His creation. And so what happens instead is that God actually made Adam and Eve innocent, but with the ability to choose good or evil. Because of this, they could respond to His love and trust Him or choose to disobey. And they chose to disobey. Because we live in a real world where we can choose our actions but not their consequences, their sin affected those who came after them, which is you and I listening right now. So basically, our decisions to sin have an impact on us and those around us and those that come after us. And let me like break that down for a second. You know, most of you listening are probably the product of divorce somewhere in your generations. And when you ask the question, why would God allow evil? Could you be talking about the evil of divorce? Somebody made a decision to cheat. Somebody made a decision to beat their wife. Somebody made a decision to be verbally abusive. And as a result of that, the consequence was divorce. And your life was the result, all the horror, all the tragedy, all the garbage as a result of that. And so maybe when you think about why God would allow evil, what you're actually saying is, could there be another way that I didn't have to be the product of divorce? You know, maybe that's the real heart issue, and maybe it's not about God. Maybe it's about a physical father in your life that represented, that, that stood in the place of God. You know, I think I said this a hundred times already, but Plato said that atheism is always a disease of the soul before it's a misunderstanding of the mind. What does that mean? It means that many atheists have just had a distorted perception of God as Father. Let me tell you this, if, if all you've ever had is the Father God of religion, that's a distortion of the true God. 
And so you have these abuses, you inherit these sins, you inherit these consequences in your life. Number two, if we could do it, God, if we were God and we could do it on our own way, maybe God could compensate for people's evil actions through supernatural intervention 100% of the time. So right as, right as your dad went to go beat your mom, all of a sudden God supernaturally intervenes and grabs his hand and holds it back. Right as the words went to come out of her mouth, all of a sudden she was completely silenced and wasn't able to say the words. You know, maybe that would be the solution to why there wouldn't be evil in the world. You know, God could just supernaturally intervene. Yes, we would still have the ability to make the choices. Yes, we'd still, but right before we went to go actually do them, then what would happen? God would intervene. God would stop a drunk driver for causing, uh, you know, an automobile accident, completely disable the car. God would stop a lazy construction worker from doing a, a standardized job on a house that would later cause grief to the homeowners as it collapsed on top of them. God would stop a father who is addicted to drugs or alcohol from doing harm to their family. God would stop gunmen from robbing convenience stores. God would stop high school bullies from tormenting the, the brainy kids. God would stop thieves from shopliving. And yes, God would stop terrorists from flying planes into buildings. You know, this all sounds like really good. You know, if you think about the tragedy that's happened to you in your own life, you're probably like, man, that would have been great if God intervened. And I don't know about you, but I've definitely put two middle fingers up to the sky and told God, forget you. You know, I've definitely been in moments where I said, you know, I'm not dumb enough to not believe that you exist, but I don't like you. And I don't like what's happened to me in my life. I don't know if some of you have ever had a prayer that sounds more like a yelling, a one-sided yelling match, but I've had those moments in life. You know, I want to share something. My uh, dad died of Huntington's disease. It's a genetic brain disease, and there's a 50% chance that um, your children die of it. And, you know, he was a murderer. He went to prison. Uh, after he came out, I had no relationship with him. And then coming into my teens, I made one or two attempts to call him on Father's Day that didn't really pan out after he got out of jail and uh, had started a new family. But then all of a sudden in my adult life at 27 years old, I discover that he's dead right at the point where I've got to a place of healing where I wish I would have started a relationship and really felt like a nudging on my heart, like I was ready to reach out to him. And after, you know, after going through atheistic phases of doubt and, you know, being down that road, I was in a place where I'm like, it's impossible now for me to deny God based on what I truly know, but it doesn't mean that I like Him. You know, I think that when you ask this question, why does God allow evil, genetic brain diseases, children born without even the ability to choose? You know, my wife, one of the most devastating experiences that she had in life was holding a baby who was a bo uh, born addicted to crack. You know, when you hold a baby that's born addicted and they're shaking and convulsing uncontrollably and the innocence of their new life is being contracted by the, contrasted by the consequences of evil that, that were happening, you have to ask the question. Sometimes you even scream it out loud. Why is there evil in the world? And I think that this question is a question that is often asked from a wound before it's ever asked from a mouth. And so there's a level of gravity to me trying to answer this question today. And I want you to understand if you don't want the answer, you're never going to get it. 
You know, you've got to open up your heart to receive the depths of what I'm trying to communicate to you today. You know, these solutions, they sound attractive. It would lose its attractiveness as soon as God's intervention infringed on something that we actually wanted to do, though. We want God to prevent horrible, you know, actions. But are we willing to let the lesser evil actions slide? Not realizing that those lesser evil actions are what actually lead to the greater evil actions Should God only stop actual sexual affairs or should He also block our access to porn or end our inappropriate relationships where we're texting girls, texting other guys because it's not yet sexual? You know, should God stop true thieves or should He also stop us from cheating on our taxes or stealing songs or whatever other minor quote-unquote theft that we're doing should God only stop murder or should, or should He also stop the lesser evil actions done to people that lead them to commit murder? Should God only stop acts of terrorism or should He also stop the indoctrination that transformed a person into a terrorist? We've got to start thinking on a deeper level. Man, this is getting pretty heavy, huh? <laughs> Somebody cue up a symphonic soundtrack, a movie soundtrack to this. Um, you know, I'm, I'm walking, now I'm pacing. I've got up in, in my backyard and I'm now pacing around right now. So it's getting hot in the kitchen, huh? Um, let me read the next one. It says this, another choice would be for God to judge or remove those who uh, choose to commit evil acts. The problem with this possibility is that there would be no one left for God would have to remove us all. We are all sinners and we all commit evil acts. You know, that's Romans 3.23, Ecclesiastes 7.20, and 1 John 1.8. While some people are more evil than others, where would God draw the line? Ultimately, all evil causes harm to others. So instead of these options, God has chosen to create a real world in which real consequences, real choices are available. In this real world of ours, our actions affect others. Because of Adam's choice to sin, the world now lives under the curse, and we are all born with a sin nature, which is Romans 5.12. And it's funny because when I used to teach high school, I would ask my students all the time, do you believe that human beings are born good, born bad, or neutral, like a blank slate? And I loved asking this of like 14 and 15 and 16-year-olds because almost every single group would say either they're born good or they're born a blank slate and then we program in either direction. But you ask that same question of some 20s and 30-somethings who have started a family, who have raised a couple of kids, and you're going to get a 100% chance of the answer being they're born bad. Why is that? Because you, when your kid lies for the very first time and you have never ever taught them to lie, you're going to realize that that was their default mode. That's like the default mode of their birth was them lying to you and nobody taught them to lie. And, you know, it's something simple like, hey, did you just destroy my plasma TV? This is what Bella did. Did you just destroy my plasma TV with your a little mermaid toy thrashing it into the screen? No, Daddy, I didn't do that. That wasn't me. Okay, you were born bad. You need the cross. You need Jesus, right? So, you know, there will one day come a time when God will judge the sin in this world and make all things new, but He is purposely delaying in order to allow more time for people to repent, which just means to turn around and change their actions according to the power of the cross. It's the only way that you can truly be good. 
so that he will not need to condemn them, which is 2 Peter 3.9. Until then, he is concerned about evil. When he created the Old Testament laws, the goal was to discourage and punish evil. Uh, He judges nations and rulers who disregard justice and pursue evil. Likewise, in the New Testament, God states that it is the government's responsibility to provide justice in order to protect the innocent from evil, which is Romans 13. He also promises severe consequences for those who commit evil acts, especially against the innocent. So let's just kind of recap it like this. We live in a real world where our good and evil actions have direct consequences and indirect consequences upon us and those around us. God's desire is that for all of our sakes that we would obey Him, that it might be well with us, which is Deuteronomy 5.29. Instead, what happens is that we choose our own way and then we blame God for not doing anything about it. Such is the heart of man. And you know what? Let's just kind of get honest with ourselves for a second. How many times have we looked at it and said, this is God's way of doing it. He's designed it to function this way. You know, you can't go out and purchase a vacuum cleaner, use it in a way that wasn't designed by the manufacturer, and then blame them when it it breaks down. You know, it's like manufacturer's warranties they come with, the, with proper product usage. And this whole entire earth was designed. You know, there's laws of nature that are governing the way things go down. And as we begin to manipulate these different elements in life, we manipulate, well, you know, this is how God would want me to use my sexuality, but I'll use it this other way. You know, then all of a sudden what happens? The relationship begins to break down. And then we blame God for that evil in the world, not understanding that He's given us the beauty of choice. You know, a lot of this conversation today has been a little bit on the darker side, but let me just tell you this. Had God not given us the ability to choose, had God not given us the ability to co-create with Him, there would be no beauty. I mean, true beauty exists as a result of my ability to make choices. It's like having a canvas and God saying, okay, here are your parameters. Yes, there's limitations. This is called a canvas. Canvas have borders. You know, every canvas has a border, but within that limitation of the canvas, you can create some pretty amazing things using the tools and the resources that you were given. And so the question, though, is how many times are we going to the master artist, the one who's clearly more talented than us, and saying, how would you do this? How would you use this stroke and and how would you use this brush and how would you use this paint? And we're consulting through the process. I I think that's much more of a picture of what it looks like to me to to live this Christian life is is, is almost like a Renaissance painter. And you're given the limitations of a canvas or you're given the limitations of a church ceiling um, to paint and, you know, to do these things. And, but it doesn't mean that within those limitations you can't create something historic, something legendary. And if the only history that you've inherited so far has been rape, molestation, murder, divorce, if that's the only history that you've gotten so far, then you need the blood of Jesus to break that curse, break that generational bondage on your life so that you can turn around like a true artist and take that mess and make it into your message to take all those tests that everyone else failed and turn them into your testimony that's what it truly means to be a Christian and you can't really understand that until you remove this boulder away from your heart 
that says, God, you're the reason why there's evil and understand no consequences are the reason why there's evil. What God gave me was the ability to choose and what God gave me was the ability to co-create. The world would be so much worse were God not restraining evil. At the same time, God has given us, given you and me, the ability to choose good and evil. And when we choose evil, He allows us and those around us to suffer the consequences of that evil. Rather than blaming God and questioning God on why He does not prevent all evil, we should be about the business of telling people that there's a cure. And that cure is Jesus Christ. So I love you guys. This one was 20 minutes uh, this morning. Again, I want to hear what you think. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear from you guys. And I just want to let you know that there are answers to every single question. You know, there's this form of Christianity that says that, you know, just believe blind faith. You know, I don't believe that that is God's message. You know, and I say this often, but I want to say it here. You know, Doubting Thomas gets a bad rap. Because he's literally, you never say his name alone. You always say doubting with Thomas. I mean, what would that be like if everywhere you walked around it was like slutty Sarah (laughs) because of some one-time thing you did in your life? I mean, really, we have one moment, one moment where Thomas doubts and everyone in Christianum, everyone in the tradition calls him doubting Thomas, right? But here's the thing, you know, historical accounts... Some people believe that Thomas was actually thrown into an oven as a result of believing and proclaiming Jesus Christ. And then when he wouldn't burn up in the heat and the flames of the oven, these pagans opened up the door and pierced him repeatedly with spears until he died. Now, I don't think that he died doubting Thomas. I think he died completely convinced that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. Now, when do we see this? We see Jesus after the resurrection, like physically proving to people his existence. It was a public resurrection. It was a public resurrection. This wasn't something isolated uh, to, you know, just just some uh, fanatics. This was like, I am publicly going to walk the streets and the same people who watch me die are watching me resurrected. And so doubting Thomas in his doubt, received, I think, one of the greatest mercies that you can ever receive. And it's when Jesus walks into the room and shows you the nail-scarred hands. Now, if Jesus was the same Jesus who would show the proof that He needed so that eventually He would be so convinced He'd go on to be pierced repeatedly with spears after being thrown into an oven, don't you think that He's the same Jesus that will give you the proof that you need to believe? Don't you think that He's the same Jesus that will tell you and show you the evidence and the proof that you need? But here's the thing. Thomas didn't have a heart condition. You know, there's a big difference between it being a misunderstanding of the mind and it being a disease of the soul. If you're wounded in your soul, don't ever expect any evidence to be enough. If you're wounded in your soul, don't ever expect anything to sound intelligent enough to satiate that wound. But when it's truly just a misunderstanding of the mind, when it's truly something that you're wrestling with, expect Jesus to show up with nail-scarred hands and give you the proof every single time. And man, I know that word is for somebody listening right now. I know it's for you. I know it's for you. The answers are always there. And so God's not asking us to believe blindly. 
And, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about this in the days to come. There are astrophysicists by the thousands who are coming to Christ as a result of observable science, science uh, recent scientific discoveries, Dr. Hugh Ross and Reasons.org, and all these things are happening around the world right now. There's an excitement. It's the Hebrew account of creation, which tells the gospel narrative from the beginning with science in conjunction, and it has just made me so, so happy to know that I'm in the truth. And so let me pray for you in closing. Let me pray that you would be in the truth. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person listening right now. I thank you, Father, that you are healing their soul, that you're showing them that the evil that's in the world was a result of a consequence, maybe even a consequence they didn't choose because hurting people hurt people. People who have been abused abuse other people, but it's going to take them to stand up, drenched in your blood, being washed clean, made white as snow, standing up and saying, I will break the cycle. I will be different. I will choose different. I will do different, and I will cause the generations after me to not have such a boulder rock of fear and doubt and anxiety in their hearts as a result of the consequence of my life. Lord, I pray that every single person listening would rise up as a legacy holder, bearing your name and your mark, equipped to do what you've called them to do. And Father, I just thank you right now that you have given the cure for evil. God, I just thank you that you are stewarding and teaching us and just helping our minds and our intellect conform more and more to look like heaven right here on earth. And Jesus, I thank you that you are still alive and well and that you are still making public appearances. And God, you are never going to change. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all. If you've been blessed by this, I want you to hit subscribe on iTunes. Go ahead on SoundCloud, repost it, like it. I'll see you on the flip side. I cannot wait to hear what you guys think about this one. Love you. Bye.